the end zone, has a man open, touchdown, Justin Blackman. Welcome into a Friday edition of Locked On Pokes. I'm your host, Colby Powell. Glad everyone is with me on this cold, rainy Friday here in the state of Oklahoma. Head over to Twitter. Hit me up at Colby J. Powell at Locked On Pokes. Subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you may be listening. And remember, this is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network in the country. You want to find other Locked On Podcasts, head on over to LockedOnPodcast.com. All right. We uh, have to talk about what happened Wednesday night at Gallagher Arena. And, and I have a confession to make. I was very wrong as to what was going to play out on Wednesday night. I really thought Wednesday night was the night that Oklahoma State would get things turned around. Not, not in a big way. I, mean, I, I didn't think they were going to win the Big 12 Conference or anything. Go on some crazy run. But I did think that they could win seven games in conference. I I thought that they could beat up on some of the the lesser teams in conference. I did not think that the poor scoring that we've seen from Oklahoma State could could continue. I I didn't think that they could stay on that same pace that we saw Saturday against TCU where they mustered only 40 points in regulation and it took a couple of garbage time buckets just to get them to 40. I, I didn't think that we would see that again. And what do we see? We see four points in the first eight minutes of the game from Oklahoma State. So through eight minutes, they were on pace to score 20 in that game. 40 seemed like it was Mount Everest. Like like you you couldn't even ascend to the top. Um, Look, they, they started to get it turned around, but... Digging yourself that big of a hole right off the jump, it's just, it's insurmountable. It's something that you can't overcome. And it's time that we have a serious conversation about Oklahoma State's seniors. We have to have the conversation because Keelan Boone came in, played well, gave the team a lot of energy. Caleb Boone came in, played well, gave the team a lot of energy. Same for Avery Anderson. Avery Anderson's been giving him energy for a while now. Chris Harris Jr. played 16 minutes the other night. Dezogwa only gets 16 minutes the other night, so he didn't play near as much. Yorinay, again, 8 minutes, 0 points, 0 rebounds, 0 assists, 0 of 1 from the floor. The, the, the fact that Yorinay has completely disappeared is killing this team. But, but I'll get more into that. I, I want to talk about the seniors for Oklahoma State. This is now, you're 9-7, and seven, you're 0-4 in conference. You've got number two Baylor on Saturday. That, that's a game that Oklahoma State, um, you know, th- they're going to lose that game. At what point do you start um, allocating some of the minutes that are going to your seniors to your freshmen? And I think we saw the start of that on Wednesday against Texas. Now, it started too late because Oklahoma State dug themselves an insurmountable hole before they put those guys in. But Oklahoma State ends up scoring 39 points in the second half. 39 points and a half for Oklahoma State? That feels like a billion at this point. Again, Keelan Boone and Caleb Boone, those guys were phenomenal. Those guys were phenomenal. Caleb had 12.7 rebounds. Keelan had 7.5 rebounds. Uh, I mean, those guys played really, really well uh, in, in their time on Wednesday. And again, it's about energizing the team. I'm sorry. Cam McGriff, Lindy Waters, Thomas DeZagua, they're not getting anything done right now. They're just not. So, so how, how can you justify just running out the same lineups? 
That's why Keelan and Caleb and Avery Anderson, that's why those guys got uh, got more time the other day. <clears throat> Another thing that I need to bring up. Why is Cam McGriff still allowed to shoot threes? Can someone explain it to me? Anybody. Why is Cam McGriff launching threes? Why did he shoot two the other night against Texas? That is two wasted possessions. Makes no sense why he's launching them. I mean, I feel like I'm watching one of these Thunder teams from a couple years ago who everyone's allowed to shoot and nobody can. Let's see. Let's take a peek here. Cam McGriff is shooting 22.7% from three, and yet he's launched 44 of them this year. He's shooting nearly three threes per game at 22.7%. Dezagua shooting 41% from three. That's pretty good on 83 attempts this year. Lindy Waters, he's shooting 32.9% from long range on 70 attempts this year. Lindy Waters has not been the same shooting the ball. I, I don't know what's what's happened. Lindy Waters is averaging eight, pardon me, 11.8 points per game. On 39.4% from the floor and 32.9% from three. Whatever Lindy Waters' game was down the stretch last season, it's gone. It's gone, and, and I don't know where to find it. <clears throat> so this brings me to my point. Lindy Waters, 31 minutes the other night against Texas. Maybe we need to allocate a few more of those minutes to the Boone Twins. I mean, look, I get that these guys are seniors. They've put a lot into the program. And I appreciate that they've been a part of the program for the, the, the turnover with Brad Underwood, coming over to Mike Boynton. Mike Boynton's had to dismiss some guys. Not everything has gone the way it should roster-wise. Marcus Watson, who was a four-star recruit, was supposed to be a really good player, ends up never even suiting up for the Cowboys because of off-the-court issues. But Lindy Waters plays 31 minutes. McGriff plays 26. McGriff still brings you a lot other than, than what he does on the offensive end. Does a lot defensively. I understand. I'm not, I'm not saying take these guys down to 10 minutes. But maybe instead of 31 minutes for Waters, he plays 26. Maybe instead of 26 for McGriff, he plays 22. And we allocate some of those minutes to, to Caleb and Keelan Boone, to Avery Anderson, to Chris Harris Jr. Because let, let me tell you something. If this is, in fact, a lost season, which it looks like it might be, you better make sure that those, those young guys who still look like they're getting their feet wet and getting the hang of the college basketball, they better be ready to rock and roll day one next year because next year can't be a lost season. That can't happen. You've got Cade Cunningham and Rondell Walker walking through the door. I tell you what, Oklahoma State, it, it's actually really depressing. Um, Carson Cunningham tweeted out some stats last night <clears throat> for Oklahoma State. Basically just a reminder that Oklahoma State has fans that want to love and support the basketball program, but it's hard. Oklahoma State has not been to the Sweet 16 not the Final Four, not the championship game. Oklahoma State has not gotten out of the first weekend of the tournament in 15 years. Oklahoma State has not won an NCAA tournament game since the 08-09 season. It was Travis Ford's first season. That's the last time they won an NCAA tournament game. They didn't even win a tournament game when, when Marcus Smart, LeBron Nash, Markel Brown were all on the, on the floor together. I, I mean, it's getting tough for Oklahoma State fans. And you see all the empty seats at Gallagher-Iba, and, you know, honestly, I would love to see that building full. And I would love to see some energy in that building. And I thought we were going to have it this season after the NIT season tip-off where they just dismantled Syracuse and Ole Miss. I thought this was going to be a decent 
Oklahoma State team that could compete in conference and would get some fans in the seats. And instead, we're sitting here on January 17th talking about we need to take minutes away from the seniors because the freshmen have to play more college basketball to be ready to go next year. Again, Poynton's had some tough luck with guys that he's had to dismiss from the program, some good players that have never suited up for Oklahoma State because of off-the-court issues, and that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. I think next year we'll see what kind of coach Mike Boynton can be whenever he has some talent. But, I mean, I see people on Twitter last night talking about, well, this team's too talented to be 0-4 in conference. Are they? Are we sure? I'm not. I'm not sure. I, I, I have no idea how good Yorin that is. Do you? 0. 0.0 rebounds, 0 assists, 8 minutes. Keep Keeps happening. I don't know how good Yorin A is. Uh, I mean, is Lindy Waters no longer going to be able to be the offensive force that he was at times last season? Because if he's not, boy, I mean, that's about a wrap on this Oklahoma State offense if Lindy Waters can't score and can't shoot. Thomas Dezogwa's been restricted to a a 20-minute two-for-three from the floor guy from from long range. Isaac Likely still isn't the the same since he was sick. Cam McGriff can't shoot, but he keeps being allowed to shoot. Go to the basket. Oklahoma State only took 15 threes the other night as a team. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Go to the basket. They were 6 of 15. That's fine. Texas, 15 of 32 from beyond the arc. You know what? I want to talk some more about Texas shooting on the other side. Uh, I'm up against it. Need to take a break. I'll be back. Stay with me here on Locked on Pokes. Welcome back to Locked on Pokes, rolling along here on a Friday. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Colby J. Powell at Locked on Pokes. All right, let's talk about Oklahoma State's defense from the other night. Oklahoma State gives up 76 points to Texas. Um, You know, 76 points, probably too many when you look at a Texas team that scored 64 against Kansas State, 62 against Oklahoma, 44 against Baylor, 48 against Providence, 60 against Texas A&M, 62 against Cal, 66 against Georgetown, 70 against Purdue. You don't see a a theme here? The theme is that of all Texas opponents, they scored their most points, uh, uh, if we're not talking about, you know, Division II schools here, against a team that actually matters, scored their most points against Oklahoma State. And a lot of it has to do with Oklahoma State's inability to defend the three. We saw this big time against Texas Tech when Tech dropped 85 against Oklahoma State. We also saw it pardon me, earlier in the season against uh, Georgetown when the kid went off for 34 or however many he scored in that game. Texas shot 15 of 32 from beyond the arc. That is unacceptable three-point defense from Oklahoma State, and a lot of those were just open looks. I mean, Texas was hitting shots, sure. Anytime a team shoots 47% on 32 attempts from three, they're hitting shots. But it's a lot easier to hit shots when you don't have a hand in your face. Now, if you want to attribute part of that to some of the younger guys getting more minutes, sure, I'm, I'm okay with that. But... Again, that's why the younger guys have to get more minutes. They have to cut their teeth so that they can figure these things out because these can't be things that you're still trying to figure out next year in conference play. Next year in conference play, you better have it all together whenever Cade Cunningham walks in the door because you've got Cade Cunningham for 18 Big 12 games. That's it. Cade Cunningham is one and done. Rondell Walker will probably be around for a while, but Cade Cunningham is one and done. He's projected to be one of the top three to five picks in the 2021 NBA draft. You can't be making all these same mistakes. 
Cannot do it whenever Cade Cunningham is here. So hopefully Oklahoma State gets it figured out. I don't know. T- tomorrow's probably not the day, honestly, to figure it out. Maybe at Iowa State on Tuesday is a better day to figure it out. Tomorrow, ESPN2, Oklahoma State hosts the number two ranked in the country, Baylor Bears. And this is a monster of a Baylor squad. A monster of a Baylor squad. Beat Iowa State by 13 the other night. Beat Kansas by 12. Beat Texas Tech by 5. Rolled Texas by 15. Haven't lost. They're 14-1. Only loss of the season was the second game of the year against Washington. Doesn't even make any sense how they lost that game. Wins over several ranked opponents. They beat Villanova. They beat Arizona. They beat Butler. They beat Texas Tech. And they won at Kansas. All of those ranked opponents. Kansas the highest, obviously, at number three. The rest of those all in the, the 12 to 20 range. Um, so Baylor is a, a great a great team. Um, I don't like Oklahoma State's chances, but you got to figure something out. Give those young guys more minutes. Let them see what it looks like to play against one of the best teams in the country. Let, let them figure it out. They're going to figure it out at some point. Three-point shooting, you better be able to defend it tomorrow against Baylor. Jared Butler, C.O.T., Davion Mitchell, guys can all shoot it. Can all shoot it. Devontae Bandu can shoot it. Freddie Gillespie, he's not going to shoot it. He's going to try to beat you up on the boards. He averages 9.3 points, 9.3 rebounds. And Scott Drew, he's got it figured out. He's got Baylor moving in the right direction. Baylor's had a much better basketball program under Scott Drew than Oklahoma State's had under anybody since Eddie Sutton left town. So Baylor's the real deal. Hopefully Oklahoma State can get it figured out tomorrow against the Bears. I don't like their chances. Uh, All right. Enough about the debacle on Wednesday night against Texas. Uh, And again, I apologize for my completely incorrect assessment of that game. I actually predicted Oklahoma State's score exactly right down to the number. 64 points. Thought they'd be a little better defensively. Didn't think they'd allow Texas to score 76 points, seeing as how Texas hasn't scored that many against any team of relevance all season long. All right, I got to quit dwelling on it, quit ranting. Um, Let's move on. Let's talk a little Big 12 football, shall we? Baylor has themselves a new head coach on the gridiron. We just talked about Scott Drew. They've now hired Dave Aranda as Matt Rule's successor. And, And this is interesting because Dave Aranda does not have any head coaching experience, but Dave Aranda has for a long time now widely been regarded as one of the best assistants in the country. And if you just want a further example, I always give examples because people always want to know, well, how far behind is Oklahoma State in college football's race to the top? And I don't think that you necessarily measure it on the field. Yeah, I mean, you can talk about draft picks and you can talk about these other things. You measure it in dollars. How many dollars is each program spending on football? Because if you're getting outspent 5-1, to one, you're going to really struggle to compete against the big boys in college football. How much money do you think Dave Aranda made last year to be the defensive coordinator and linebackers coach at LSU? Take a guess. Take a guess. I'll give you about five seconds. Dave Aranda. Okay, so his official title, associate head coach, defensive coordinator, and linebackers coach. He made $2.5 million as an assistant. Oklahoma State couldn't dream of paying an assistant $2.5 million. So again, when we talk about money, when we talk about keeping up with the Joneses in college football, you don't keep up with the Joneses unless you're ready to pay for it. That's just the fact. That is just a fact. $2.5 million he made last year at LSU. I do think this is a good hire for Baylor. 
Obviously, whenever you win a national championship at LSU, he's going to be able to walk into any any high school in the state of Louisiana and get the ear of college kids in that state. Uh, we, we will see if he keeps anybody from Texas around to help him recruit that area. Uh, you know, Joey McGuire is the big name. He, he's an in-state guy uh, and can recruit Texas. He, he, you know, he has deep ties to the state of Texas, so we'll see if he sticks around. Um, but I think that that is a good hire for Baylor to go out and get Dave Aranda, despite the fact that he does not have any uh, head coaching experience. Uh, he's been a great assistant, and I think he'll be a good head coach at Baylor. All right, I'm going to take one final break, come back, talk a little Oklahoma State football, who are the early enrollees, big recruit making a visit to campus this week, and we will update you on all the Cowboys participating on the PGA and European tours this week. There are a lot of them, and they're having some success. So we'll talk about all that coming up right here on Locked on Pokes. Back, wrapping things up here on Locked on Pokes on this just uh, pretty miserable Friday here in the state of Oklahoma. Everybody be safe today out on the cold, wet roads. Uh, Let's talk a little Oklahoma State football, shall we? Because Oklahoma State has a big-time running back recruit headed in this weekend. Four-star running back Cameron Valdez. This is going to be a huge class. He's a 2021 prospect, and and this is going to be big for a couple of reasons. One, Oklahoma State pardon me, uh, does not have a running back in the 2020 recruiting cycle. There's only a couple weeks left in the 2020 recruiting cycle. So if they're unable to get one in 2020, that means 2021 is going to be a huge, huge year to get a running back commit because when Chuba Hubbard leaves, somebody is going to have to uh, to fill in there. It, it's just that that's what's going to have to happen. Oklahoma State currently has Chuba Hubbard, Desmond Jackson, LD Brown, and DeAndre Glass returning to the roster in 2020. Jamel Jeter, remember, entered the transfer portal. But nobody really knows who is going to be the bell cow in 2021. Who is going to carry the load for Oklahoma State in the backfield? And it could be Cameron Valdez. And who knows if he comes in immediately as a freshman and plays. That's tough to do at running back. But Cameron Valdez is the number 20 ranked running back in the country. 5'9", 180, four-star recruit, class of 2021. 247 Sports has him overall ranked as an 89.4. He's got offers from Utah, Kansas, West Virginia, Georgia Tech, Missouri, and others. Not a lot of offers late. Purdue offered him in November. Texas State offered him in December. So I think Oklahoma State is very much in the running for Cameron Valdez at running back. Uh, and Oklahoma State, I mean, they're really going for it in 2021 at running back. Oklahoma State knows that they have to replace Chuba Hubbard and they have to do it with some serious talent at that position. Oklahoma State has offered seven running backs, five of those four stars or better. Cameron Valdez, like I said, a four star. Brandon Campbell, a four star. LJ Johnson, a four star. Donovan Edwards, a four star. Tavier Dunlap, a three star. Uh, Elton McCaskill is actually not ranked as a recruit, but he has an offer from Oklahoma State. And then five star, Kamar Wheaton also has a um, an offer from Oklahoma State at the running back position. So that's something to watch um, and, and see if Oklahoma State lands any commits from big-time 2021 running backs because that's going to be a huge position of need once Chuba Hubbard hits the road. Uh, early enrollees for Oklahoma State. <clears throat> 
Uh, school started this week. We all forget about school, yeah. So Colin Clay, the transfer in from Arkansas, originally from the state of Oklahoma, goes to Arkansas, doesn't work out for a number of reasons, uh, one of those being that Arkansas was terrible. Don't know if he'll get a waiver to play immediately. I would imagine that he will. Uh, a lot of guys have. New coach at Arkansas and moving back closer to home. The NCAA has been much more lenient with the, uh, the granting of waivers, which I think is a good thing. The more good players that we can have playing across college football, the better product that we're going to get. Get Shane Illingworth enrolled early, uh, freshman, big-time recruit, quarterback out of California. Tyron Irby, a transfer from uh, – he's a JUCO transfer from North Northwest Mississippi Community College. Uh, so he'll come over, could have a chance to get some run uh, at defensive end with Mike Scott heading out. Monroe Mills came in early on the offensive line, as did Eli Russ. Nick Session, safety, came in early. Uh, Quentin Stewart came in early as well. And so did Josh Sills. Josh Sills, grad transfer from West Virginia, currently has one year of eligibility left. If he is granted a medical hardship, then he could potentially get uh, get last season back and have two years as an Oklahoma State Cowboy. So that's the list of guys who transferred in early. So fingers crossed that Colin Clay gets an immediate uh, eligibility waiver and that Josh Sills gets a medical redshirt for his uh, last season at West Virginia last year. Speaking of uh, guys in the transfer portal, which is where Oklahoma State got both of those guys, Kevin Henry has entered the transfer portal. And, uh, you you know, you you hate to see guys go. And Kevin Henry's been a part of Oklahoma State for several years now. He was a three-star recruit back in 2015. uh, And he's been a Cowboy for a while. But I can't ever blame a guy for going and wanting to play as much football as possible in his final year. He, uh, you, You know, he was a big recruit coming out. He had an offer from LSU in 2015. They don't just hand those out to anybody. He also had offers from Miami, Ole Miss, and he chose to come to Stillwater out of Baton Rouge in that 2015 class. So he's moved into the transfer portal. I've gone on record. I think the transfer portal is a good thing. I know some people don't like it. They think it's college football free agency. There are still rules around it, but if guys aren't getting to play and don't have a chance to play, I'm all for them making the most out of what's left of their collegiate career and going somewhere where they can get on the field. I just I think it's better for the players, and I'm always pro-player um, in a, a sport and an organization that is often uh, not in the best interest of the player. So I uh, hope Kevin Henry lands somewhere good uh, and has a good finish to his career. All right, all the Cowboys playing in uh, the European Tour and the PGA Tour, only one in the European Tour. Uh, the Abu Dhabi HSBC Championship on the European Tour. Victor Hovland, even through two rounds. He shot one over in the first round, one under in the second round. So we'll see how he does this weekend over in Dubai. Um <clears throat> And then the American Express. This tournament is being played uh, at three courses. La Quinta in La Quinta, California, the PGA West Stadium course, and the Nicholas Tournament course. Uh, They'll play three courses rotating Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then they'll play the PGA West Stadium course on Sunday for the final round. And there are four Oklahoma State Cowboys in this tournament. Uh, And they fared pretty well yesterday. Charles Howell III, the worst of the four Cowboys. He shot two under 70, tied for 74th. You might think two under is good if you're not real familiar with golf, real familiar with this tournament. In this tournament, guys go low. So Charles Howe currently outside the cut line. Uh, He's going to have to have a good day today uh, and tomorrow to make sure. Again, it's a Saturday cut because you have to play all three courses before the cut. Taylor Gooch, 
uh, Oklahoma's own, who had a little special at John Conrad the other night on Golf Channel. Taylor Gooch shot three under 69 in the first round yesterday. A nice round by Taylor Gooch. Matthew Wolf with a five under 67. And Matthew Wolf will be chasing down uh, a guy who's currently one shot off the lead, Ricky Fowler, who shot a seven under 65 in round one. I am rooting hard for Ricky Fowler because I sprinkled just a little bit of coin on Ricky on Wednesday at 11 to one to win the tournament. Uh, he's playing some good golf right now. So hopefully one of those guys, uh, either Wolf or Fowler, who are a little closer to the lead, can close it out and bring another one home for Oklahoma State. All right, glad everyone was with me on this Friday. Uh, score prediction tomorrow for Oklahoma State and Baylor. Boy, Oklahoma State, they're in trouble tomorrow against Baylor. Baylor can really shoot it. Give me uh, give me 74-62 Bears. 74-62 Bears. That's my prediction for tomorrow. Thanks for listening. I'm back Monday. Everybody, have a great weekend.